Welcome to the snooze button. Hey, I'm Brittany of Brittany She and Sleep. I've got 99 problems, but my kid's sleeping isn't one. Hi, guys. Okay, we have a very exciting guest today. She is a former colleague of mine, client, friend, brand advisor, all the things. Some of you may know her from Instagram, the one and only Molly Chen. Welcome. Hello. Hi. You're kind of like a celebrity to some people you know. I mean, I'm just here to share all the information about grain bowls and be a Brooklyn evangelist. Um, I just do what I can. Yes, spreading the good word. We love it. I'm also a huge um, Britney booster, so I'm here. This is you not are. sponsored content. This is very authentic. Um, I so appreciate it. We don't have any sponsored content here. It's just all. It's all real. Um, okay, so... I will, I want you to explain a little bit about like your work history and like kind of that trajectory. Cause I think it's just very interesting in general and people will be curious about it. Um, I met you first at Birchbox. So I have to tell you this story. You are not going to remember this, but I remember the first time I met you mm-hmm. and it was the first day I was working at Birchbox and I wanted the job so bad. So I had done every type of research you could do at the, which at that point there wasn't like a ton, but I knew everything about it. So I knew who you, I I was like, Katya, Haley, Molly, like I knew who you guys were. And I was in the kitchen and this was when we were at 28th street. We just moved to 28th Mm -hmm. street. And I was like looking in the cabinets for something and you being your nice, authentic self as you are, were like, Hey, are you like looking for something? And I was like, and I was like fangirling and I was just like, yeah, I'm just trying to find the cereal. And you're like, oh, it's over here. Like very small I'm interaction, always. but I was like, holy shit. Day oh one, hour one. And here we are. Do you so, remember the, the, we called it the compliment kitchen at Birchbox. Cause when you walked in there, you were just like, you know, surrounded by people who were like, your hair looks amazing. I love that outfit. Can I give you a hug? So, I swear I it was like, kitchen. I don't know how you guys did it, but it did really feel like you, everyone you hired was just like good people, like smart, I mean, I feel so interesting. Lucky. Like it was great. It was like every team I interacted with, it was just, and I was coming from a very, the opposite kind of energy, mm-hmm. general energy. And so it was great. Yeah, I think that was the beauty. So I'll give you the short version. Um, I started my career in magazines. I started at Condé Nast. Um, I got uh, very lucky out of college. I landed at Condé Nast. I wanted to be an editor. I didn't really know what that entailed, but I landed at Condé Nast Traveler as a very lowly assistant editor (laughs) and um, spent five years there. And it was pretty amazing. It was a great foundation, kind of what it means to create high quality content and have to fit 50 words into a box that then gets printed and then gets mailed to people yeah. all over the country and the world. Um, and uh, then as magazines started to die uh, in 2008, 2009, 2010, I was really searching around for a way to take what I loved, which was content and selling stories and just kind of creating things and yeah. do that somewhere else. And I had this like vague idea that startups were this cool thing because some <laughs> of my friends worked at Foursquare in various places. Yes. So this was back in, in 2000, uh, like 2009, 2010. Yeah. There wasn't really anything in New York. And I did not, I, I do not know it. I did not know anything. I am not being humble. Like I really didn't know anything. I was just like, this seems interesting, this kind of world of things that are not printed material on this internet yeah. thing. Um, and so I was pitching myself around to, I pitched Whole Foods, I pitched Foursquare. I was pitching myself as like an editor. I was like, you need an editor. Everyone needs an editor. So everyone needs someone to kind of put their, like put things in order and kind of make a story out of it. 
Uh, no one, no one took me up on it. Um, but <laughs> they're <simultaneously>, lost. <laughs> yeah. Um, then, uh, Katya and Haley, uh, Haley was my best friend from undergrad. Uh, we're at HBS. They came up with this idea for Birchbox. Uh, they, it was kind of long story short there. It, it was kind of coalesced around all of our experiences. I'd been an editor in beauty. Haley had been a consultant and also my roommate was the beneficiary of my, uh, you know, my be free beauty samples, but zero <laughs> rent money. So I would come home with products and give them to her and tell her how to use them. Katya knew the beauty side of things and kind of how many marketing dollars were getting wasted. And, uh, like long story short, they had an idea. I said, you know, it sounds amazing. I think, you know, I think I could be really be helpful. I think you need yeah. an editor. I think if you just send people things in boxes, they won't know what to do with them. Um, got them to, you know, I signed on and helped with the beta. I quit my job. We started Birchbox that spring, um, for spring, summer of 2010. And it was really like, you know, it was an extraordinary experience and it really, uh, changed. I think for a lot of us that worked at Birchbox, like it changed our lives in a really real mm-hmm. way. I mean, uh, you have found your calling in a different way, but it was a, it was a, it was a very specific um, and hard to replicate experience because the the landscape was wide open. No one was really doing. Mm-hmm. And it was a kind of beginning of D 2 C. It was the beginning of community and social and like all these kind of like things that were new. And so we got to try so many new things. And we got to try it in a landscape that was just, you know, nowhere near, nowhere near, nowhere near as saturated as it is now. Yeah. And we met incredible people, as you said. So. Yeah. You know, I learned a lot in that six years. Um, I built the brand uh, with a lot of incredible people, and it was just an incredible learning experience. Um, and then totally. that kind of set me up to do what I do now, which is I work with startups. Um, I have a new role uh, working on kind of the impact side of things, but I generally work with startups on how to build a brand and how to connect with your customers and figuring out the kind of like from here to there whether it's a strategy and a project or whether it's leading brand as a function and organic marketing and running all those um, teams and channels. Yeah, I, I totally agree with you. I mean, I obviously was not at Birchbox from day one, but I was early. Yeah, I was like yeah. employee 60 maybe or something like that. But mm-hmm. it really was such an incredible time to be at a company like that. And like, you know, it, I do think it changed my life for sure. And it also was the first time I had a job that was like a part of my identity. It was no longer just like what I did so that I could go to brunch yeah. on the weekends. It was like, I passion. Well, you're an entrepreneur now. I mean, and you probably yeah. have that in, I mean, you definitely have that in you. You don't just like get that from a job, but I think it, you know, if anything, Birchbox kind of sprouted all these little seeds of just incredible leaders. I mean, I can, oh my we can God. have a different podcast talking about all <laughs> our just, friends who run companies. Like, <laughs> how many people could we get on here? I mean, it's yeah. like, there's like 30 of them that I'm like yeah. buying their products. I'm like supporting them. It's so cool. It's really, yeah, really cool. I think it's amazing. Um, so... Yeah, I love that. Yes. So, okay. Yeah, so you have a very interesting work now. What made you want to go, once you know, the Birchbox phase of your life ended, what made you want to consult and work with brands as opposed to going like in-house to uh, you know, another startup having the experience you had? I think that there's an there's easy answer, which is when I left Birchbox, I was like incapable of going to another company. I had built a company, lived a company. It was a huge part of my like personal life. Like it was very much integrated in kind of who I was as a person. And so it was very hard for me to think about where I could do that again. Um, it's almost like you I, couldn't date again. It's like you had a breakup totally, and you're like, I can't, I'm not ready to date. <laughs> totally. I was like, I'm not ready to commit. Yeah. Um, I, I also had an experience where I was so lucky to have done something that was very, you, you, the whole thing with startups is that you wear lots of hats and you learn mm-hmm. to do many things. And 
they were all things that were new to me and they were not things I trained to do or thought I was going to do. And so there was a kind of, um, remaking of my professional life where I had to say, what am I actually good at outside of this thing that I was you know, really good at, really integrated into? And so consulting yeah. was a way for me to say, to show up, you know, thank you to all the companies that hired me, but like show up at those companies and say, I think I'm good at these five things. Um, I definitely could do these other things. Like, what would you like me to do? And, and so kind of put together kind of a new resume of skills that I was good at outside of the kind of lightning in a bottle of Birchbox. I also got to then decide you know, you, you'd kind of take on these personas in your professional life. And a lot of people had known me at the very beginning of my career as an editor, as a content person. That's a thing I care about still. I deeply care about brand because I think brand kind of sits across everything. Um, and, um, I wanted to build the next part of my career as a brand expert and, and Mm -hmm. really, and then, and then I also, you know, (laughs) also relevant to this conversation, I had a couple kids in that time and, um, I took, I, I did some in-house roles. I was in-house at Hungry Root for a year and a half or so and had an incredible experience building the brand and kind of relaunching it there and ultimately decided like that was a great experience, but I wanted to work across a portfolio again and touch lots of companies and be able to right. learn from lots of different founders. Um, I think it's a lot of uh, this phase in our lives too. It's like what, what mm-hmm. fits right now and um, consulting has been a really fun way to do a lot of different things. Um, while I wait for whatever maybe the next thing could be. Um, and the firm yeah. I just joined, I'm very committed to join, to building. It's called Acora. Gosh, we have so much to cover in this conversation. Yeah, um, tell me about Acora. I don't actually know much about this this new venture. Yes, it's fairly new. Um, and it's, you know, we're, I'm, I'm here as, I'm at Acora. We, we are an impact uh, strategy firm. We focus, we work with philanthropists, nonprofits, and for-profit companies to build out their impact strategies. And it's, very much connected to brand. You cannot mm-hmm. have a strong impact strategy if you do not connect it to what you care for, you care about as a company and what you stand for as a company. So I, we can, we are consultants. We work with a lot of different clients. Um, we have an amazing roster of, um, you know, big to small, you know, public yeah. company to startup, um, and across sectors. And what I'm really excited about is I'm working with two amazing women and we're we're building this thing together. And so I'm, I'm not really thinking of it as consulting as much as kind of building a small firm and yeah. work getting to work across a portfolio of clients. That's really cool. Um, and so, and I think maybe, maybe later on I'll post on social or something, hearing about the different companies you guys are working with. Mm-hmm. Cause I feel like that would be a very much of interest to people since it seems to run the full spectrum. Um, when you are consulting with a company on their branding, like what are the things that you're asking them to think about and like you most commonly see where you're like, I get that you have a good idea, but like, this is very confusing. And mm-hmm. like, we got to like rein it in. Like, what are the, the steps you take and the things you want them to do? Great question. Um, the first thing I do with any company, including ones like I, I talk to founders all the time and I send them this really simple worksheet that I like to use, which is essentially just a basic set of questions. What is the problem you're solving? What is the solution? break that solution down into a value proposition. And then also how do you relate to your customer? So it's, it's kind of all the building blocks of Mm -hmm. a brand strategy. It's, you know, if your solution is, you know, you are easy, you make things easy. You have to have proof of that. Um, I learned all this 
in action at Birchbox. Like we had, mm-hmm. if you take like one of our, part of our value proposition was discovery. It was mm-hmm. discover products that work for you. So if you unpack that sentence, we have to define discovery for ourselves. That meant search had to be seamless, which it definitely wasn't on our site. <laughs> but, you know, like, oh, we had yeah. the brands were not brands that you could just trip over if you went into CBS. Um, right. We had to kind of facilitate. So there's like, you know, I think the brand piece of it is like putting a stake in the ground and then also making sure you have all the things to back that up. So we, you know, we in a brand strategy, you, you kind of define who you are and right. what you want to stand for. And then the whole job is to create pieces that communicate that with the world. And I think where people go often go a little bit uh, you know, astray is they forget what's important to the customer. I mean, one of the things, I don't know if you ever heard me say this in a meeting, but I'm sure I did. It's like, it's always the, so what it's like, you care about X. Mm-hmm. So what, like what's important to your customer? What is important right. to your customer? If that's the same, that's important to you. Great. But like, it's probably not, you know, the most important right. thing to your customer is, you know, for your customers, like, it's not that all these like strategies are like, you know, expert tested and like research approved. It's like, my kid is going to sleep tomorrow and that changes my right. life. Like that's, what's important to your customer. Totally. Um, and it totally. is important that they are like valid <laughs> strategies. Um, but I think a lot of people just get in their own head and they're trying to tell them all the things that they think that is so great about their product. When in fact, it's like, it's softer, it's faster, you know, coterie diapers, which I know we've talked a lot about in the past, yeah. it's more absorbent. It means you're, you're, the, the whole yes. point is your kid's going to sleep longer because it's more absorbent. You know, it's like 1000%. Um, so those are the kind of things. And I think there's a, there's a little bit of just, it's helpful to have an outside view on your brand because it can help, you know, you have blind spots because you love this thing and have built this thing and are so close totally. to this thing. Totally. And I think you, when we spoke and I was doing my rebranding, you said something that I have heard since, but you were the first one to really say it. And you kind of gave me the power to not feel like I needed to be everything to everyone. Mm-hmm. Because the truth is, like, I have a specific audience, a specific type of person. And I, I think I inherently wanted to lean into that. But you were, I, I think we were, we were comparing to some other, like, companies and stuff. And you were like, that's, like, mass. You're not, mm-hmm. you're not trying to get, like, every single person in CVS to be your customer. Um, and I do feel like that's a downfall of a lot of companies in general is like, they just want, if it's food, they, they think everyone could eat this food and not everyone yeah. wants your seaweed. Like yeah. who, who's eating seaweed? <laughs> like find, you got to find those people. Cause I mean, some people don't want it and they're never going to advise my seaweed company that I do yeah. think everyone needs. Oh, you do? Yeah. yeah it doesn't do. taste like seaweed. There you go. Um, a hundred percent. I mean, most, all brands, I mean, I'm sure there's some, I mean, uh, maybe Coca-Cola wants to be everything to everyone, but like, uh, yeah. but not really. Right. Um, you have to know who your customer is. And I think what we're seeing, I know this isn't a podcast about like consumer brands, but like what we're seeing in the landscape right now is that companies are finding it's so challenging to get to their customer because of Facebook, because of saturation. And so if the more specific you can be and the more, you know, the stronger your point of view and the more kind of laser focused you can be on your specific customer and your differentiators, like the more luck you're going to have. Yeah. I think I've learned that myself and it's, it's so true. Um, okay. I want to talk about other things. Well, I guess, is there also, maybe you could tell us one company that you have discovered through your job that you are really excited about right now that everyone should check out one or two, if you can pick in any space. This is a great question. 
Well, you mentioned seaweed. I'm going to mention this <laughs> That was company. totally made up. Like, I did not know you had a, This is not <laughs> like a... I'm not teeing on seaweed. Yeah. My... I advise a company called Rootless. I met the mm-hmm. founder, Sachi, last spring. My litmus... So the way I decide to work with companies is, do I care about what they're doing? Do I think it's important? Do I think the, the world need the, needs this? Do I think the founder has what it takes to kind of make this succeed? And right. can I add value? Sachi's just a very good human, and that always makes everything better. She comes from the world of climate philanthropy, and what she is doing is building a seaweed-powered nutrition bite for a lot of reasons. One, that seaweed is one of the best things for our planet. It kind of takes the carbon out of the water and the air. It is really good for coastal communities, and also it has, like, crazy health benefits. I personally like seaweed. Lots of people don't eat it regularly. This is like a little bite. It tastes like dates and almonds and Mm. whatever flavor is in it. So they're coming out with a new flavor soon. It's going to be delicious. My daughter eats them every day. Um, What I think is fun about this product is uh, it tastes good. It's really good for you. And it legitimately, if we create an economy for this seaweed, this plant, we can actually have a meaningful, we can can have meaningful um, impact on, you know, this like very sustainable part of the ecosystem. So I think Rootless is great. Um, and I think the reason why I'd love everyone to check it out is that I think it, we, we struggle a little with positioning. And this is, you know, mm-hmm. this is what I think about constantly is like, how do you position something that people aren't waking up every day thinking, I really need a seaweed bite. But right. they are thinking, I'm tired. I might have an iodine deficiency. I might, my gut feels a little out of whack. And this bite can help with all of that. So we're doing some interesting testing account, kind of what of the many benefits in this product um, is most important, our most important people. Um, so that is my, that is my, uh, near and dear to my heart. Um, you know, Oh my gosh, I should tell everyone about this. So I know not, not all of your listeners are in New York, but I will tell you about this founder who I think is just fantastic. And I think is going to win at life. Um, it oh, at, at, uh, at startups. Um, her name is Anicia. She's a chef and she has mm-hmm. a company called kids table. And mm-hmm. right now is doing delivery of kids meals. Um, in New York City. She was a private chef for many years. She was a nanny to high net worth families. She just knows what kids like. Uh, it has been really amazing to get to know her over the past year and just be so impressed with kind of how much energy and creativity she's putting into her business. She did this really great collaboration with Ipsa where they developed frozen versions of her food, which I think is maybe an avenue that would be great for her. You know, I think as parents, cool. we are just constantly trying to think about like, what can we feed our kids that is healthy oh God, and easy? Yes. And she is creating a solution that I think is great, but I also just think she's an amazing person. So everyone should follow her. And your show notes I'll send you. Yeah, for sure. I love that. Ooh, that's really interesting. I want to learn more about her because that's that's something I think every parent wants, right? Is it's your kids so to eat healthy? And it's also, it's hard to find time to cook things for them. And some families have trouble with, like, the kid, one kid can't eat this and is picky about this. I mean, you and... know this about us. Like, my daughter eats sardines and, and Finn eats nothing. It's Isn't just, it humbling? It's... Right? Really, and you know, like, you know us, like, I was just like, yeah. we're great eaters. Our kids are going to be great eaters. Nope. It's automatic. Nope. Yeah. Nope. I know. <laughs> or they say like the best parents are the ones who don't have kids. Right. And we're like, oh, I would never use screens. I would, my children aren't going to watch any oh my TV. God, I love like, screens. Okay. Screens Best are my of favorite. luck. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I saw you post the other day that with Rob, they were watching Sing 2 for the 7,000th time. And I was like, it's a, up to 8,000 over here. So it is so good. <laughs> Sing. That's the only one that we watch. We're like, I, I love, love you, it. Sing. I it's love great. It. Okay. My last like business question for you, because I do know there are a lot of people listening to this who either are interested in starting a company mm-hmm. or are curious, maybe they've just launched something. 
So what do you think is like the biggest reason small businesses fail? It doesn't even have to be something as mm-hmm. high level as like a birch box, but having been a founder and working with a lot of founders, like what are the big mistakes people make that you, you look at them and you're like, you're going to be defunct in two years, no matter what. I think a lot of it depends on the type of business you are trying to build. And I think a lot of companies, what I see a lot, so I'm typically talking to people who are trying to raise money. And so where I think a lot of people go wrong is that there has been a narrative created in, there's like something in the water in the last five to 10 years where like every business should be a venture backed business. And I think it happened because there were a lot of VCs that invested in consumer brands. It looked a lot, you know, they were tech enabled and digitally native, but they're consumer brands and you know, their CPG brands are there. Um, they're just kind of not, they're not technology companies. And so I think a lot of companies start and they have a great product, but they shouldn't be, they shouldn't be a venture, venture backed company. And it's not that that's going to make them fail. It's just going to send them down non-fruitful avenues. But I think the place that we're, that where I do see a, a kind of hole in the market is that there's like mom and pop businesses where you start, you maybe get a small business loan, you know, you can get capital from other places. And then there's companies that are somewhere in between. In between, They're not going to raise venture. They're not, you know, just looking for a bank loan. They need more capital. And they they get a little lost in the shuffle. And so, you know, mm-hmm. you might have a great product. It might be a beauty product, a food product. I, I talked to a lot of beauty and food brands. So I think, I guess I don't have a solution here, but I think you have to be really clear on what type of business you want to build and what type of growth you can expect to see, what type of growth mm-hmm. you're aiming for, how you're going to get there. Um, other basic things, you know, if you are paying for your customers from day one, you're just in trouble. Like, in a, I think that goes for fundraising too. Like, if you yeah. are, if you, if I see a deck where someone is, you know, already reliant on paid marketing and it's a year zero to one of their business, like you have to show me how you have unlocked some sort of organic levers because those are yeah. the things that are the hardest to figure out right now, especially. And the paid stuff you can always layer on. Totally. Yeah, it almost feels inauthentic. It's like, so no one would come to you on their own? Like, that's yeah. a little bit of a red flag. Yeah, totally. Okay, so other th- things I want to talk about. You are great with food, great with cocktails, great with adventures with your kids. So I don't know. I mean, I want to know about all of these things, <laughs> but I guess... And there were some questions. I only put one in the listener question. There was one question specifically about meals. Mm-hmm. So maybe we'll jump to that. Okay, uh, which... She, Anna, she said, we want to eat healthier or I want to eat healthier, but I'm so busy and I don't have the time or the skills to cook during the day. Do you have any easy, healthy lunch tips for a working from home mom? It is so hard. Um, I spent a lot of, I mean, I spent a lot of time. So the answer to all of your questions about food are that I don't have hobbies. I I really like food. (laughs) I think about it constantly. And that doesn't, I don't even enjoy it as much as I used to because we do it so much. But like, that's, that's like my thing. That's like our thing that we think about. Um, It's like food and exercise are my things. Um, And like, luckily, hopefully that'll like balance each other out. Um, Yeah, I think those are good. My answer, because I thought about this a lot, is that there's, I rely on healthy building blocks. And that is, I joke a lot about Mm. grain bowls, but that is why I end up eating a bowl full of healthy things every day. And if you are trying to make something for scratch, from scratch for, for lunch or dinner, whatever meal you're, you're kind of trying to eat, you're just starting from a, you know, it's like starting from a cold dead stop. Whereas 
you know, choose the time that is, you can do this. I do this kind of throughout the week. We like make grains, roast vegetables, make salad dressing. Maybe we prep lettuce, but like not actually, we're not that organized, but there's like, if I have like two of the three components I need in the fridge ready, that means I can put it in a bowl. And then I think it's also figuring out what's going to taste good to you and what's easy. So I really like tahini. It like is like fat and yummy and creamy and like adds something to a salad. So Every day, almost every day, it's like I have my grains, I have whatever vegetable I've roasted, um, I have like some other greens that are just like massaged with olive oil and salt, right. and then I put tahini on top, or I put yogurt on hot, on top, and then I put nuts, and it's like a lot of toppings, and it just mushes all together, and it's really yummy. Um, yeah. But I think you just figure out like what those five things that you like to eat are, and just make sure you always have them on hand. So they're not kind of constantly having to like, also it's like the mental energy of like, what am I getting? Totally. The mental energy is hard. Yeah. And I think that that's a good tip. It's kind of like you're, you're doing some of the work ahead of time, just whenever you have the the space, if it's like after the kids are in bed or like during a call or whatever, so that when it's time to eat and you only have 15 minutes, you're not doing every, you don't have to do the entire thing. And make more. Like Like this, I mean, I don't know if Rob's going to listen to your podcast. I hope he does, but it drives me nuts when he makes like a half a cup of rice. Oh, she doesn't do that much, but like, don't make a half right. of a cup of rice. Make like two cups of rice. Right. Like, if you're, always gonna, if you're going through this effort, right? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. If you're, it's like you've already done the work. Like, chop more broccoli. Chop more carrots. It's like for kids. It's like don't peel two carrots. Peel like ten carrots for the kids. Yes, totally. Nothing makes me happier than when our our nanny makes something for the kids, and I see like bowls in the fridge. Of the, I'm like, yes, yeah. carrots, broccoli. She's yes. she's better about that than me. Yeah. Um, that's great. I love that tip. Um, Okay, I'll ask some of the other questions we got. Um, this one going back to the work stuff. Tiffany said, how do you decide which companies to invest in? Yep. I am an angel investor. I'm, I'm a scout with Clio, um, which is a fund started by a woman named Sarah Kunst. And it's been an amazing experience because I don't have the ability to be an angel on my own, but it has allowed me to learn and to be able to also, to our point about kind of Birchbox Network and just kind of early stage, you know, all those people that worked on all the kind of early days of Rent the Runway, early days of all these companies that started in 2010, um, they're all these amazing people. And so to be able to invest in and them has been amazing. So the way I think about it is um, I am not an investor by, you know, that's not my day job. So I'm not seeing a hundred decks a week. I'm seeing five decks a week. And so right. I really try to focus on where I have, you know, I have unique knowledge of the, the space, the consumer, right. the product, um, so I'm trying to see the places where I immediately can understand the problem. Is this a viable solution? Is it unique in the market? And my check size is not that big. So on the other, on the flip side of things, can I be helpful? Can I be like uniquely mm-hmm. valuable to this company? Because the check is like, you can, they can get money other places. Right. So I often work with companies where there is going to be a need to think about brands in an interesting way or community in an interesting way or mm-hmm. customer relationship building. Um, and you know, I try to, I try to really be helpful because yeah. I, you know, the check is a check, but then I really try to kind of be a, a helpful champion, a connector, mm-hmm. you know, sounding board for those founders along the way. Yeah. That makes total sense. Like it's one that you can have this like personal investment in besides just writing them a check. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And in a category that you, you're well-versed in. Um, okay. Emily asked, cause you are like the queen of Brooklyn. Um, we are, which I'm sure this person probably follows you on Instagram. We're considering a move to the, from the Upper West Side to Brooklyn with one baby. Which neighborhoods should we consider? 
I, you know, I, I love my neighborhood. I live in Burham Hill. I've been in this in Burham Hill, Cobble Hill for 12 years. I think whether you are moving to Brooklyn or somewhere in LA or somewhere in Chicago, a lot of this also has to do with, I feel very strongly that with kids, you have to think about the things that are going to make you sane. And I think for a lot of people, it is being close to people who are your chosen family or real family. Uh, so we have a, an amazing community in Brooklyn. We've lived here for a very long time. Because of that, when I had Lily, I also had her in the summer, <clears throat> I really didn't feel isolated at all. Right. And it was something I was nervous about because I'm pretty social. I see my friends a lot and I was just worried. And I also am very antsy. So I think mm -hmm. you just have to know yourself well. I needed to get out of the house and see people I loved and wanted to you know, spend time with in, in an easy, you know, accessible fashion. Right. That's why my neighborhood works. I have a lot of people who live near me. I can walk to great coffee shops. I can do that. Um, I think people, other people I know, you know, they want to be near the park because they need to go running every day or it's really important to them to be near, like, I don't know, to be able to zip out of town so they have to live uptown. Right. Um, but I think going to community is really good. And I think there are also in any city neighborhoods that are better set up for kids. Like our particular neighborhood is set up for kids, it's not just because there's a lot of parents, but there's a lot of parks, there's good schools. And so I think thinking about right. like the ecosystem you're going into and making sure you don't move somewhere where everyone's 10 years younger than you, um, or there's no green space. Um, right. So those are the things I'd consider. Cobble Hill, Burham Hill, very good neighborhoods. I love that. And I think you made a good point because obviously there's people listening to this who are not moving to Brooklyn, that if you are moving or thinking about a neighborhood, like tailoring it to your specific needs. Like some mm -hmm. people, like we live by the ocean because for us, it's like we like that was like a non-negotiable. If we're going to move all the way to California, we're not going to live no. in a town where it's an hour away from the ocean for us. But for other people, they're like, that's crazy. Why would you live in such a tiny house when mm -hmm. you could have a huge house, you know, in Pasadena? Because yeah, I don't live in Pasadena. Yeah. Totally get that. <laughs> okay. So we will pivot and talk about sleep because you yes. were one of my first ever. So for you guys listening, part of my training was I had to have, I don't remember how many hours it was. It was a ton. Uh, many clients that they were volunteer clients, right? So the, I, they were approaching me for help, but I, I, they were not paying for it. Um, and I had finished that part, but I just felt, and I'm so glad I did this. I just wanted to have more people under my belt. So by the time someone did hand me a check, I felt really confident. And you just, you know, it was just the timing was right. You happened to post something about Lily, who at the time was two, I don't know what she was doing. Lily I can't even stuff. remember now, but Lily, jumping well, out of the crib. Well, I will tell you what happened. <laughs> <laughs> so tell, like, and I would just, I just messaged you and I was like, I'll like, I'll help you. I'm like trying to work with more people before I launch. And you were like, yes. So no, like, I, I actually think, <laughs> I think probably what I said is you can try. <laughs> it was literally like, okay, have at it. <laughs> have at it. Best oh, of luck. So, oh my gosh. I, I, mean, I remember this. So I'm literally sitting in their room right now in Finn's bed. Uh, Lily stopped napping day one of the pandemic. She was a little over two and a half. She was like you know, two years and seven months. She definitely should have been napping in my opinion, because she gets up early. Um, and not only was she not napping, she wouldn't let us leave her in the room. It, it just was, it was horrible. You know, it's like that early days were horrible in so many ways, but to also, we had a five month old and this two and a half year old and to not have a single second to ourselves was we were losing our minds and I don't think I would have thought to work with someone because I just thought this is an unsolvable problem our child mm -hmm. is crazy they're <laughs> like you know, going through something traumatic we are going through something traumatic 
And I do remember, I remember sitting in the backyard and talking, because we had to sit out of earshot with the kids, and talking to you with Rob on speaker, and you were telling us your, and you were telling us how it would work. <laughs> I literally was thinking, it sounds great. We'll give it a try. This is never going to work. <laughs> I was shocked. I was shocked when it worked. Okay, so yeah, like, spoiler alert, it worked. Um, we got Lily to do quiet time. I think we st- started by trying to get her to nap again, and you... Uh, I did feel very vindicated when you said that Lily is, is quite stubborn and yeah. I, oh, yeah. not crazy. <laughs> you're not crazy. I mean, most people who come to me, they, it, like, I'm not the first stop. Now, sure, I have, like, third-time clients who are, like, they're, like, calling me from the hospital, for sure. But for the most part, if I'm working with someone yeah. for the first time, they've already read five books. They've, like, you know, done all the things. And oh, yeah, that's like, it. We were, like, done. driving ourselves crazy. Yeah, we yeah. were reading too much, you know, too many opinions. Right, right. There's just so but, many opinions. Um, Yes, it was, it was a lifesaver. I mean, it really, okay. So unprompted, I think what is, what I thought in those early days of working with you, when you were building your business, what I thought was really, I mean, this is not a surprise cause I know you, but I think was, would felt very differentiated was how confident you were in your skills, but also how willing you were to immediately flex and pivot and find solutions that would work for us. And it was so apparent, even when you were building the plan that this was not going to be a cookie cutter. Mm-hmm. And you were also made us feel extremely supported. I mean, there was a lot of texting yeah. and a lot of, I'm pretty sure I sent you some audio video of some yelling. <laughs> <Probably>. um, <laughs> and you're just you, you're funny and you're fun to talk to. And it's like, you know, someone we want to you know, hang out with. We wish right. this weren't <laughs> happening with our kid, but like, we're always right, happy to sure. chat. And so that was such a good experience. And we have worked with you many times since then <laughs> through various bumps along the way. As many people do. Yeah. No, yes. I love that. Yeah. That is definitely always my goal with any client is like, you know, of course, as the expert, like you want them to listen to you, but every client's situation is unique to some degree. And we're also like unique humans, right? So like yes. you, you might need tough love where somebody else needs me to make them laugh and somebody else needs me to be very serious and somebody else needs me to remind them every day that they are not damaging their baby and they're not going to write a book about them one day because they're learning to sleep, right? So everyone Absolutely. needs something different. Yeah. Um, yeah, and I, and I really can't. I mean, I, I'm i assuming people on this listening to this know you, but, like, having a sense of humor about all of this is really – it was it is so helpful to us, and I think it was probably so helpful to other people because it is so soul-crushing when you are exhausted and you're – kids freaking out and it just to someone to like help you put things in perspective and Mm -hmm. not not that you're making light of anything but just to be I don't know it's really helpful because it's it's so demoralizing and sleep is so I don't know I I texted you earlier today that Finn was up at 545 like it's just like you know it debilitates you when you don't aren't getting enough of it oh my god it totally debilitates you yeah and I think you know I try to remember that like people are coming to me and they're not doing great, right? Like they're exhausted. It's almost like mm-hmm. I'm not a doctor, but it's, it's kind of like if you, someone went to the doctor cause something, they're really struggling with something. And if the person was like, kind of like dour and serious and like super clinical yeah. about it, it's like you, maybe you just kind of need like a hug or someone to be like, yeah, a lot of people get these rashes. You also think it's your fault. Like you totally literally think it's your fault. I think this con- like, you know, you always have these moments what happened this weekend. I don't know. Our kids are being crazy. And I was thinking, I said this to Rob, I said, where did this go wrong? Like what? Cause then I kind of, I don't do it all the time, but sometimes I like map back and I say like, at what point did, 
did I say the wrong thing or did we yes. do make the wrong choice with our kids that like sent us down this like horrible yes. road of tantrums. And that is so, it's so harmful and wrong and, you know, it's counterproductive. Like totally. But, but it's sleep, I mean, inevitable. sleep, you can definitely feel that. You're like, what did I do wrong? Oh my gosh. I didn't sing the right song. I didn't, you know, we started the wrong way. Like all those things. Totally. And I was saying this to somebody else today. It's like, I think, I think I tend to attract people like me and like you who are used to being, I, like I just say, you're used to being good at stuff. And I think if you're used to being the type of person who can kind of like figure things out in general in life, it's extremely frustrating when you're like, this shouldn't be this hard. Like, yeah. I don't understand what, and I feel like that all the time with other things. And I totally resonate with the parenting thing. I think you're probably doing something wrong if you're not having random spirals about like, why are my kids so X, Y, Z, you know, like, it's, of course, my kid is so disrespectful. My kid doesn't need it. It's like, kids. yeah, the kids are so crazy all the time. Uh, yeah. Yeah. But you know, uh, the good news is everyone's kid is crazy. And I also will sometimes reassure clients when they're like, I don't know, because all of my friends' kids sleep through the night and like, I don't know what's wrong with her. And I am sure you will agree with this, that some parents are really good at talking about the things that are going well, right? Mm-hmm. So they're going on and on about how their baby sleeps through the night. They're not telling you that like they're having major supply issues and they like don't mm-hmm. want to use formula. So the baby's not getting enough to eat or like their marriage is in trouble. I mean, it could be mm-hmm. anything, but it's like they just focus on the good thing. So you don't have the full picture. You just have that story about them and you tell yourself that story. Yeah, 100%. Yeah, I mean, I think about this all the time. Like, not that, you know, not that I have such a big platform, but I think, and I, and, you know, I'm, I'm not usually posting pictures of my kids, like, vomit crying on the floor, but um, <laughs> I try to be really honest about it being hard because I think... You are. We, we have so much fun, but we try, we, like we have, we like muscle through it. You know, we muscle through yeah. the stuff that's hard. We drag our kids on these, you know, to your point about adventures, like our kids like adventures, but like, you know, 50% of the time they're like, I don't want to get in the car. I don't want to go to the zoo. And like, we sure. know we, we do it because we know the minute we get there, they're going to be so happy. But there's yes. some like, yeah, there's some lollipops along the way. There's like reminding them about the giraffes, things like that. And it's very easy to forget about it's just really easy. And I think that there's, I think that that's the whole thing about, I mean, I've built some parenting brands and it really drives me nuts when people go one way or another because parenting is and, you know, it's not, it is you know, crazy and amazing. It is hard and rewarding. And the brands that are just like, you know, moms sitting in a pile of laundry talking about how shitty their life is really drive me crazy. And then like the ones that are just like, you know, moms on a pedestal, like, Yes. With like angel lighting behind them also drive me crazy. Totally. So it's, um, I think it's really important. And I think it is very true that we can see the things that are seem to be easier about other people's kids and lives. Um, but we don't see the things that are hard. And what do you feel like? Cause I think that you touched on something really important, like as a parent going through these like ebbs and flows and you are muscling through and you're trying to find ways to stay positive and do the right thing. Like what do you and Rob do or like what do you what do you personally do to like center yourself like in those tough moments with them? Because I feel like you do a really good job at least like optically from our conversations and from seeing what you post on social of like seeing the seeing the bright side and being like had a good cry this morning but like now I'm on a run. Now I'm mm-hmm. at the farmer's market. You know like what do you do to get yourself back on those days where you're just like uh no. Um, I am very selfish and I like have no patience for being unhappy. And I really, that is a gift that I want to give to other people is it just be more selfish. Um, that means, 
you know, what that means is that I know the things that keep me from, that, that make me feel like sane. Uh, exercise is one of them. You know, I don't get long workouts, but I, I get regular workouts because it's really mm-hmm. important to me. It's always been important to me um, for stress management and kind of emotional management. And that's a tool that I use a lot. Um, I also step away a lot. Like I get really mm-hmm. hot. Like I get really frustrated really easily. And I have learned with the kids that like I can cool down much faster if I just leave the situation. So I'm lucky mm-hmm. that if, you know, Rob is there, he can, I can tap out. Um, but the kids are big enough now where I can say like, I need a minute or, you know, whatever the yeah. Dr. Becky oh. version of that is. I can't remember, <laughs> you know, but, um, and we get out a lot. Like, I think that there's, the other thing is like contained negative energy when the kids are really being really frustrating. We just leave. We, we try to get them out because yeah. to me it's worse being in the house with just like ne- negative energy kind of compounding on itself. Yeah. So fresh air, change of scenery, just like mm-hmm. forcing, you know, forcing what we think is, and sometimes it works and sometimes it doesn't. Um, but yeah, um, those are kind of the things. I love that. I love, uh, you call it selfish. I call it like taking care of yourself so that you can take care of other people. Yeah. It's like the whole like gas mask totally, analogy, you know. right? Or not yes, gas really mask. Is, yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like the, air, the airplane <laughs> mask, right? It's like oxygen mask. On, oxygen. Uh, the oxygen <laughs> mask. <laughs> I'm going to cancel myself one of these yes. days. It's ev- inevitable. Um, yeah, right? It's like you have to take care of yourself. And, you know, I think that that applies back to the sleep stuff. You know, a lot of families, I think, feel like guilty. Like, oh, I'm, I feel yes. bad because like I want to get sleep. It's like, that's the foundation of your health. Like, we, that's not something yeah. to feel guilty about. That's something yeah. you need to survive. No, it really is. And I think, I mean, I think the other thing is being visible about it, too. It's funny. Lily and I were having, on the way to school this morning, she was telling me how she missed us. Jocelyn's been putting them to bed once a, once a week. Jocelyn's our nanny. Um, mm-hmm. And Rob and I go on a date. We were home at, like, 8 o'clock. <laughs> like, you know, Love it's like, it. It's a dream um, date. And she said, you know, we, I miss you. And I said, well, it's important that your dad and I, that, that mom and dad have time together. You know, you like having special time with me. Finn likes having special time with me. You like having special time with dad. And then she said, you don't like us? And I said, yeah, really? I, I like literally laughed yes. at her. I said, I love you. It is important for dad and I to have time together in addition to having time with you. And it's, you know, it's, it's part of you know, what makes us stronger as a family. Um, same with exercise. Like they, you know, not that they don't interrupt me, but like they know what's important because they see me go do it, you know, most days. Totally. And like, and that is so important because, you know, I read something recently that it's so true. It's like, you can tell your kids anything, but what you model for them is really what they pick up on. Right. Mm-hmm. And like, we can both look back at our own childhoods and think of things either good or bad that were like, yeah, my parents were really good. Like they didn't raise their voices. Like they didn't, or like maybe mm-hmm. they did a lot and it's like, that's something I want to change. Right. But like mm-hmm. you're, especially at the age our kids are, which are like five and three. Um, and for me, one, like they're just watching, <laughs> <laughs> like I also, she's here somewhere. I don't, she seems fine. I don't the know. Extra. She, she's, 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 extra girl. she's our little spare wheel. She's the best. Um, but, you know, that's like how they learn, right? You always hear those things. Like you don't want your kids to be on their, on their phones all the time, but like, look at you. It's like, if you I picked know. up a book, maybe they, yeah, I know I'm more, I roll I my eyes too. I'm like, oh, know, shit. it's hard. It's hard. <laughs> it's hard. No, I think about Yeah. I think about it all the time. Yeah. I love this. Well, Molly, this has been so fun. Thank you for all of your wisdom, fun tips, and stories. And I have to tell you, I did a, a project for myself because I'm a huge loser, and this is what I do at 8 p.m., where I, I just wanted to kind of see where all of my clients come from because it's good for me to understand, mm-hmm. like, how, how, you know, is it coming from a doctor? Is it whatever? And I think yeah, I, can per- I can personally tie over 100 one-on-one clients 
to my first time working with you. The amount of people that you told or that you read about your newsletter or, and then obviously it's the ripple effect, right? That you told one person, she told two friends, they told two friends. So I I might have to like write you a check at some point. So thank you. That gives me so much joy. Just think about all the sleep that you got, people. Um, I feel I feel very happy. And, and always, I mean, that's and this goes back to brand, building brands. It's like you create a product that's really exceptional, and your people, your customers, will be so excited to give that gift to other people. Especially parents. You always want, you know, you want unless you really don't like someone, you really want you want their life to be easier. So totally. you're always giving them the the trick. And I, I think so many of us, it's like in your nature to want to help too. Like your friend complains about something and you're like, oh, I know a therapist that works yeah. wonders. I will give you her number. And you know, you definitely are that type of person. I can tell it's not just me. It's like, I can tell that anything you're passionate about or that's really served you, you are the biggest champion for it. And I'm not the only person who's grateful for that and has uh, benefited from that, that spirit. So I thank appreciate you for it. Um, it's been so fun to know you as a friend and as a former colleague and to see you grow this business. And it's yeah, very inspiring so and I'm excited for you. I appreciate it. Thanks for coming on. It's very fun. Loving the snooze button? Be sure to subscribe so you don't miss a single episode. And please leave a review. I will read it and internalize it. So make sure it's very glowing. If you're interested in working with me or learning more about my courses, head to britneysheehan.com or follow me on Instagram at britneysheehansleep.